If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So many of us will be parents of kids who play junior sport or participants at grassroots levels right around the state and around the country. So this is relevant to all of us. The Chief Medical Officer at the Australian Institute of Sport is Dr. David Hughes. Dr. Hughes, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jared. Great to, great to be here. Could you, yes. Could you step us through the key recommendations that you've put forward around the management of concussion for, for kids and in the suburbs? Yeah, so for, for youth and community sport, we're recommending that from the time of concussion, uh, there should be an, a minimum, and just to be clear, that's a minimum, of 21 days uh, from the concussive incident until they return to competitive contact. So that's back playing the game completely unrestricted. But the rider uh, is that during that 21 days, if they're going to get back then, is they must complete 14 days uh, where they're exercising, but they're symptom-free, not experiencing any symptoms. And after they've... Uh, had that uh, 14 days symptom-free, they can go back to contact training. And uh, if they complete the 14 days and a bit of contact training, then that's a pretty good sign that their brain is ready to, uh, to resume contact activities. I think it's really important for your listeners to understand that the day someone feels good, they've still got a brain injury. They, they need to have this provocation of non-contact exercise to sort of put their brain under stress, much the same way we do with a hamstring when we're rehabilitating a hamstring to make sure that it's actually good to go. How have you come to these thresholds, Doctor? Uh, so, well, it's based on um, uh, research that shows, you know, there was a big uh, meta-analysis and uh, systematic review um, uh, that was published in 2023 that showed the uh, the mean time for return to sport when people are following certain protocols is around the 21-day mark. Um, we know that... Uh, if you do not have a buffer between the time when you feel symptom-free and when you uh, return to contact sport, you're more likely to end up uh, suffering further concussions, which then becomes very complicated if you have multiple concussions. Um, and uh, um, clearly there is concern in the Australian community and the Australian community is asking organisations like the AIS to take a leadership role in putting something in place which we want to have standardised across all sports in Australia um, uh, so that there's less confusion, less disagreement about return to sport protocols and uh, so that uh, we're optimising safety and wellbeing for athletes at the community and youth level. And that's where 95% of concussions are happening, even though a lot of the attention gets focused on the top end of town in elite sport, um, 95% of concussions are actually occurring in um, in community and youth sport. If this gets adopted, so as it relates to us, so my local footy club, my son will play under 12s, is 
What's yep. the what's the practical steps for a footy club to try to prepare for for this? Really great question, Jared. You know, one thing that we're recommending for schools and community clubs is that they appoint a concussion officer. And a concussion officer could be a could be a parent, could be a coach. They do not have to be a, con- a concussion expert. When you think of a concussion officer, think of a fire warden. A fire warden doesn't fight fires. A fire warden isn't a fire expert. What they do is, if there's a an alarm or there's a suspected fire, they ensure everybody follows this, the protocol until an expert says it's safe, and then everyone goes back into the building. So a concussion officer will read up, and there are there are there are um, educational modules for non-healthcare practitioners on the AIS website. Um, they will then, when a child is concussed. The concussion officer um, will just ensure that that, that child is um, plugged into a healthcare practitioner, but will ensure that the child follows the agreed club policy for how the club's going to manage concussion. So I think it's important that clubs think about it, read the resources on the AIS website and say, okay, this is the way we're going. This is a whole of club protocol and this is how we're going to manage this going forward. And once that's agreed, the, the concussion officer really just ensures that when someone is concussed, everything is implemented and that the person is cleared to return to play by a healthcare practitioner. Who do you need to buy into it, Doctor? Is this club by club, association by association, code governing body down? Is yeah, What's, yeah. what's the, the, the most best, effective the way, way? The most effective way is to get code by code um, buy-in um, by national sporting organisations to buy in and uh, ensure that um, this flows down you know, to the grassroots um, and, uh, uh, you know, when I left the office very early this morning, there had been uh, 30 uh, organisations had jumped on board and endorsed the position. Um, and, uh, you know, some sports, I understand it's a big change. I understand that it doesn't matter what game you're in, change uh, uh, creates anxiety and makes people feel uh, a bit uneasy. But, you know, clearly the community is asking for... Um, one set of protocols across all sports that's going to um, give them absolute clarity and consistency of how their children or or themselves might be managed um, when a concussion occurs. Is there a comprehensive data around the number of concussions that are that are suffered at community sport? Uh, there are there aren't because of the nature of the Australian healthcare system. There are not, um, you know, the different states have different protocols, have different coding systems, and that's a separate problem that's bigger than sport. But um, what we what we what we can extrapolate from from uh, figures that have been um, collected in other countries who have the same sort of sports as Australia, I think it's fair to say that there are. I think most experts in Australia would agree that somewhere between 100,000 and 200,000 sport-related concussions occur in Australia every year. Yes, and that that, that does cause a, a shudder, I think. And the, the quest to have information and something definitive. Is it a challenge for the governing bodies of major sports to apply different thresholds at the community level than what they do at the professional level? No, I don't think so. I think, it, you know, if they are willing to do this, it can be done. Um, at the moment, I mean, I think a lot of the sporting codes actually do treat um, elite level differently from uh, community level um, already, but it certainly can be done. It's been done in the United Kingdom where all of the uh, uh, major football codes um, and netball and other um, you know, contact and collision codes have bought into this. 
um, and not just in, not just in England, but in all four nations in the UK have, have signed up to this. So it, it can be done. Um, it takes a willingness at the uh, you know executive level of the national sporting organisations and national sporting organisations for people with a disability. Um, and and uh, but it can be done. And you know the AIS absolutely believes that the best way to have you know, I think it's in the sport's interest because the best way to have uh, the maximum number of people enjoying all the benefits which, you know, you and I know accrue from um, involvement in sport is to ensure that parents feel comfortable and athletes feel comfortable that sport is providing a safe place that is absolutely focused on their well-being and is putting their well-being ahead of, you know, winning the next, you know, under 12 a game of rugby league um, or rugby, or you know whatever code it is we're getting questions in real time doctor from those who are involved yep. at clubs is would the concussion officer position be onerous would it open that person up to um to any difficulties that go, knowing that this is probably a litigious area of the future well i, I would say i mean do, do people think that a a fire warden, having a fire warden or a first aid officer at a club opens them up to litigation. You know, all they are doing is implementing what the club has agreed to as a protocol and, and ensuring that, you know, people follow that protocol. Um, it's the same as saying we have a, you know, all sorts of policies that clubs have around child safety and all sorts of, you know, other things, child guarding um, at clubs. All of those things are um, involve processes that clubs need to follow. So um, I think I don't think the concussion the concussion officer can certainly be a volunteer who has had um, gone online and done some free uh, extra training that that's available for uh, non healthcare practitioners in concussion. And uh, you know what we and then what will happen then you know is that they just implement the protocol that's agreed by the club. So I don't I don't see this being a significant risk for um, litigation. And another at kids sport, who determines whether a player has a concussion? Um, well, our, our, you know, one of the key things we would say if, is if there's any suspicion of concussion, um, you should treat them as if they're concussed. So, and and it can be very subtle. And I, I, I acknowledge that this is challenging, but we have to err on the side of caution here because we're talking about kids and their short-term and long-term uh, health and well-being. So, if someone takes a big hit. It can be as simply as subtle as someone not being themselves or, you know, teacher noticing that, you know, uh, a particular student in their class who's normally a chatterbox um, who um, took a big hit at lunchtime in a, in a school sport event um, is sitting there just not themselves, not not speaking, um, you know, looking looking sort of vacant, simple things like that. And if that's associated with a with a head knock, I'd say, or, or, a, or a large hit to the body, um, then any, you know, I would say that you should assume that that person has concussion and proceed accordingly. Yep. No child came to any harm from sitting out for three weeks, but if a, if a concussion is missed and the child goes back to sport too soon, we can get into very complicated territory if someone's having multiple concussions within a short space of time. And if you experienced widespread cooperation on these guidelines, Doctor, when might it be common practice? I think uh, it's going to be common practice in some sports immediately. Certainly we'll be adopting this for athletes who uh, use our campus at the AIS. Um, and we've got, um, I think I've mentioned that when I left the office this morning, we had 30, uh, um, 30 organisations that had signed up uh, uh, as of this morning and still more coming in. Um, we understand it's a change. We understand that, you know, cultural change and, um, change of policies is a, is a big step for all sporting codes, and and we don't um, 
uh, we're not uh, trivialising, um, you know, the the sort of leap of faith that clubs have to take to get on board with this. But um, the Australian Sports Commission and the Australian Institute of Sport believes absolutely that if we want to have optimal safety and well-being for people in community and youth sport, we have to have one set of guidelines that everybody follows, that everybody understands. And um, and we need to do other things to improve the workforce because we've got workforce issues. There are never enough, never going to be enough doctors to be on the sideline at um, school and, and community yep. sport games. So we're part of this policy is we're putting physiotherapists front and centre as part of the concussion workforce. So um, physiotherapists with appropriate training um, can and, and experience can certainly play a role in diagnosing concussion, in monitoring the symptom progress of the athlete and then in safely returning them to sport. Uh, so we need to have, there's a number of uh, different initiatives and they're all targeted with having more eyes on the athlete, more people involved and in ensuring that uh, the right protocols are implemented. And um, that way, you know, hopefully for kids and for people in community sport, concussion becomes a one-off experience rather than something that leads to a number of other um, you know, future concussions or, or, or um, future musculoskeletal injuries because there's quite good evidence now that being concussed um, increases your risk of subsequently suffering a musculoskeletal injury. Um, so, that, you know, it's, it, there's, there's so many benefits, I think, to people getting on board with this. 